Chapter 47 Mercus Green Rising Kylasai appeared once again high over the fountain of Dun Meadow Plaza. Before the chill of dimension had faded, she was assaulted by mind strikes. Flailing with reflexive feats, she severed them. A blast of chill followed, which she barely negated, but not before her eyelashes froze together. Half-blinded, she lashed out, throwing hate bolts, arcs of jagged black learned from Dunipal's, along the trajectory of the incoming feats. The Hargath dimensed before they struck. Now he was inside the cathedral. Kyla threw sphere after sphere, obliterating the front of the cathedral, sending Dunsmasters scattering in the plaza. Slabs fell forward, dashing onto the wide entry steps, sending shards and dust tumbling. A spire toppled and smashed the execution platform to splinters. Kyla was already descending toward the opening she'd blasted, sending gusts of wind ahead to clear the air. The old man was in the nave, working up a mercus feet of his own. Kyla listened with all her senses. There was nothing of the basic five in what he was conjuring. Holy Demanic, then. But why hadn't he released it? She threw a sphere. It dissipated in sparks, undone by his prepared counter. You prove yourself to be what I thought you'd be. He spoke near her ear, it seemed. Not sent into her mind, but his voice made close through a new Mercus trick. Gloriously powerful. Reckless, a wild animal in need of taming. She caught the gist of his speech bolts. She replied using the same technique. You prove yourself to be what I thought you were, a spiteful, corrupt man hiding behind Till's name. For the first time, she wished she'd learned more from Flamishtak. Her methods of attack were limited because she had not trained in such things. She was just a scrappy cheapskate girl winning fights through sheer viciousness. The Hargath, too, had a limited repertoire, and so they had come to this, neither able to defeat the other. She saw now what he had prepared, not an attack. He was poised on the brink of dimensing again. He stood in the exact center of a clean patch of the floor. The rest was covered with dust and debris. He must have created a shield of some sort to keep from being crushed. He was looking up at her, eyeless sockets fixed on her. His chest bled from Cain's shallow bite, a tear-shaped bloodstain marring the front of his robe. He sensed her attacks as easily as she sensed his. She descended through the gaping hole she'd made in the cathedral ceiling and alighted on the floor, just beyond where the doors had been. A swooping of air behind her announced the arrival of the monarch. You have taught me much, Kyla Sai, the Hargath said, a whisper in her left ear. For that, I thank you. She was wary of the spider silk tendrils he'd tried before. They relied on bolts of boredom and inattention, a very difficult demonic sense to manifest, she realized. The man must have studied and practiced such things for thousands of hours to reach with them so skillfully now. She produced a negating shield of alert focus around herself and the monarch. I'll admit that you have taught me as well, she said, 
reaching with simple Mercus touch for a stone shard next to him, a jagged cornice broken from the ceiling. He could sense her effort, surely, but would he understand its purpose? She went on. You taught me that Till has no power in this realm. Had he, you would have been quashed long ago. Everything you have done has been in the service of evil. Till is a mask you wear to conceal your true nature, and that is why you seek to bring Kill into this world. Kill will be my footman when this culmination peaks, and judge not the indifference of Till, for he granted to us the liberty of our choices. That freedom is his test of our moral rectitude. He watches, oh, he watches and notices all. And when Kill sits at my feet, and the world has been brought into the light of righteousness, Till will smile upon me. And you, he was stepping closer now, leaving the chunk of cornice behind. Kyla moved her touch to another shard, larger, half buried in a crater of its own making. You he will cast into the scalding ice fires of the lowest demonic hell. Submit to me, girl, and I shall cleanse you of your wickedness and turn your great power to the service of Till. Make Kill your footman, she said, incredulous at his arrogance. How will you do that? Isn't he a god? There's but a lord of the domain, child subject to the same constraints as any of such blood. Is that not true, Dragnath and Leminui? Her enlightened majesty laughed and stalked forward, wings extended. Her dirk began to glow, white hot. You betray your dangerous ignorance, Hargath, but you will die now, and we can be done with your ridiculous war before it begins. A shrill cry echoed in the vast nave as something thumped from the shadows behind the old man. A body. It bounced and jerked over the floor. It was Henley. His face was black and blue, his body covered with dust. His shirt was blood-stained, a gaping hole in the center where the Hargath's staff had penetrated. Kyla had healed that wound, but he had since suffered others. His right leg was bent at a weird angle, and Kyla realized that his knee had been crushed, making the lower portion of his leg twist to face nearly backward. And yet he crawled and thrust with both legs. The Hargath's will shift overpowered all agony. You think me the hare and you the hound, the Hargath said. If he feared the monarch's threat, he didn't show it. Such hubris from one so young. Like this boy who thought he could burn my host and suffer no consequences. He flashed out with flame. Kyla negated it before it reached Henley. Look at her, boy, the Hargus said, forcing Henley's head to twist toward Kyla. He was on all fours now, leaning against the Hargus' leg like a devoted dog. Henley, she sent along his forespond. Fight him. Will shift can be broken. The monarch was circling, moving to position herself on the Hargath's flank. Kyla didn't understand why she hadn't attacked already. Why hadn't she brought down lightnings from the heavens to smite him? A glance showed the woman scowling, furious as she looked above and beyond the blind seer. She was distracted, 
of all the times to lose attention. Henley, listen to me. We have both endured this before. Cling to Huff. There is strength in the bond. Get your footing and fight. Huff, gone. Taken. Fury flashed through Kyla. The Hargath had once stolen Nax's bond from her. Unforgivable. And now he'd taken Huff? Fire leapt from her outstretched hand, but she killed it before it reached her enemy. Henley was too close. She felt for the stone shard again, but it was so big that Henley would be struck if she used Mercus' touch to hurl it at the Hargath. The monarch was muttering to herself now. Her wings fluttered in agitation. The dirk was raised before her, not poised to attack, but like a lantern lighting the way. Why? the woman asked through clenched teeth. Why do you make me stay my hand and merely watch? For a moment, Kyla feared the Hargath had will-shifted her. But then the woman turned to offer a sad, half-apologetic look to Kyla. I must listen and obey. With a jump, she took to the air and swept from the cathedral. The Hargath chuckled. The Dragnathan are powerful, but constrained in this realm. He began to walk, forcing Henley to keep up. Kill him, Henley sent. Kill me if you must, but kill him now, Kyla. A Merculin circle was forming on the plaza just outside. Surely another of the Hargath's attempts to distract her. Henley moaned and tried to stand. The Hargath tisked and Henley flopped to the ground, forcing his cheek to the tiles. Ah, the Hargath exclaimed. I see now. He knows, Henley screamed into Kyla's mind. Kill him, he knows. He knows what? Our bond. Run. But it was too late. The tingling fingers of the Hargath's attack appeared from within Kyla's mind, scrabbling, scratching, digging with hook-like claws. The will shift began to stiffen Kyla's limbs. The Hargath had discovered Henley's force bond in Kyla and now used it as a passage straight into Kyla's mind. No sneaky tendrils needed and no way to stop it. Cain clattered to the tiles as the Hargath forced her fingers to spread. He moved more swiftly toward her, Henley shuffling and groaning to keep up. His lips were parted in a foul smile, teeth brown and black. The harlot monarch has abandoned you, girl. This lad is my hound, and now I possess you. The more you resist, the more agony you will endure before I relent. He placed a hand on her head and petted the fuzz of growth there. His thumb traced along her brow, down the ridge of her nose, fingers running along her cheek. So delicate, he marveled. Her revulsion had no outlet, for Kyla was will-shifted into immobility. Or nearly so. She could still move her fingers a bit. Her eyes were free, though she kept them on the skin-wrapped skull before her. She had healed him once to save Nax, and in so doing had strengthened him. But it had not erased all the years of living in darkness. He was pale as a grub. He smelled of chimney smoke and burned flesh and blood. The wound on his chest still seeped, the stain slowly spreading as it wicked through the fibers of his robe. His jaw was clenched, 
she realized he was straining hard to maintain the wheel shift over two powerful Merculans. Those circled outside into source taps were now sending him even more power. And then she knew. He intended to dimense with them. The concentration required to wield so many different bolts was too much for him. He was failing. She stopped struggling with her limbs and instead put all her will into curling her lips into a smile. The Mercosine was vibrant and alive to her, and her senses were thrilling with the awareness of every sound and smell and color in the broken cathedral. The Hargath had used Henley's force bond to infiltrate her mind. That meant he was relying on Henley's Mercus power. He was at war with Henley right at that moment. Henley, she sent, a strange instinctive inspiration rising, a feeling she knew well, desperate hope. The Hargath's lips clamped tighter, brow pulling down. He brought his other hand to her head. This should have brought a hard intrusion of pain as he burrowed into her mind, but there was no such strike. Henley was trembling, head hanging low as he cowered on hands and knees. He could hear her, but he had no strength to respond. All his concentration was on resisting the Hargath. But the bond was there. The Mercosine connection was there, established and tied off as surely as a sailing ship's lines were secured at each end to sail and yardarm. Join with me, she sent. Surrender. There was no additional feat of Mercus needed. This was a skill Henley had learned from Huff, and he had used it to save Kyla on the Ash Barrens. Surrender, she sent, trying to keep her voice calm and welcoming. It was not a command, but an invitation. She sent welcoming through the bond, the sense of open arms, of love. The Hargus hand squeezed Kyla's skull with amazing strength, just as Henley's essence filled her. Kyla, run, he called inside her. And it wasn't the same as sending through the bond, for this arose as her own thought. The joining was complete. With Henley vacated from his physical body and now held within her own mind, the Hargus grip on the boy failed. And with it, his will shift on Kyla slipped for a fraction of a moment. Mercus erupted into Kyla's control. Her hands came up, blazing with blue flame. They struck away the Hargus arms, and she followed with two palms to his chest. She did not release a sphere of power or a flare of fire but pressed her awareness into his body. She found his heart easily. With a feat of Mercus' touch, she squeezed, seeking to still the pulse, and... A counterblow took her in the side of the head. The Hargath struck her with his fist. Kyla, get away from him, Henley cried. I'm going to kill him, now. You can't. He's connected to another source. It's too powerful to... The old man's mouth opened as the agony of his squeezed heart took his breath away. Bolts formed from the plaza. It would be fire, Kyla knew. That was the most these starside Merculans could muster, but such would kill her if not negated. She spared enough attention to meet the loosely formed bolts as they arced into the cathedral at her. She negated them from existence. And still she squeezed. 
Your crimes are too many to list, she said, now pushing the man back. Henley's body had collapsed. He looked like a battered cheapskate tough, sleeping off a bad beating in an alley. The sight of his ravaged body drove her fury hotter. Die, you sick old bastard! He was trying for his own Mercus feet. His lips pulled back into a sickly grimace of agony. She smelled the tinge of Mercus green rising. No, no, I will not allow it! She squeezed harder for Henley, for Nax, for the untold numbers of boys he'd drained of Mercus, for the voluptuary who he'd corrupted, for the coin, for the Merculans of every way whose will he had subverted through his force bonds. His body was shimmering now as dimension built. His claw-like hand reached again for her, sliding down her face. He meant to take just her with him now. She could feel his intention. You are mine. Her grip on his heart slipped. No! She bent all her will to keeping him here. She negated bolt after bolt as he attempted to complete his dimension. His strength was bottomless, as was hers. She again gripped his heart in Mercus' touch. Old man, ten, you are mine! With a scream, she clenched her fist. In response, her Mercus' touch compressed, making his heart stop pulsating. And then she destroyed it utterly, squeezing it to a pulp. His eye sockets raised to the sky, papery face stretching in agony. But Kyla was not done. She drove into that festering mind, her strikes now unopposed. She ripped through the intricacies of his twisted brain. The nodes of his force bonds were aglow like beacons. These she ripped free, not with care, but with vicious efficiency. His body shuddered. He fell to his knees. Kyla backed away and watched him fall. A plume of dust kicked from beneath him as his body thudded onto the floor. Kyla's body heaved as she sought her breath. Her arms and shoulders were knotted with fury, like Yeeple's unending exertions when gripped by his madness. She looked down, shocked to discover her left hand soaked with blood. She uncurled her fingers and spilled out a handful of ash. Is he gone? Henley called. Is he gone? He's, he's dead. Kneeling, she turned Henley's body over. His face looked so young, so wounded. She bent over him and pressed her lips to his forehead, tears falling from her eyes and dripping onto his face. I killed him. Truly? Truly? The circling source taps on the plaza dissolved, their unspent power dissipating to nothing. Flakes of white drifted through the huge hole in the ceiling. They fell all around like ash spirits. Snow. Someone coughed in the shadows deeper in the nave. Kyla remembered where she was in the midst of a hive of enemies. She did not want to fight them, did not want more blood on her conscience. She rose into the air, pulling Henley's body upward with her. He floated into her arms, heavy and inert. The plaza was a chaos of bodies and debris, 
Dance masters and sensuals and spinsters stood gaping at her. The snow fell soft and silent, salting their robes and hair, laying down a skim of white to mask the dead. Those still conscious looked utterly confused, as if slowly coming to awareness of where they were and not remembering how they had come to be there. Putting the gold light of command on her voice, she said, Return to your rooms and await instructions. They scattered. She wasn't sure they'd obey for long. She didn't think the Hargus mind nuts would remain with him dead, but she couldn't be sure until she began looking into skulls, and that would have to wait. Henley needed her now. She dimensed, reappearing in the Durslin wheel beneath Starside. Marlow and Nax were there, and to her astonishment, so was Huff. Henley had said Huff had been taken, but apparently not by the Hargath, by Marlow, just as she'd ordered. Seeing Henley's orange cat brought her so much relief, her vision blurred. She slumped and put Henley on the floor. Marlow jumped up and joined her. If you're not Demkisk, then I don't want to be alive when it comes. It's over, Marlow. It's never coming now. Huff sprang into her arms to nuzzle her face and was soon joined by Nax. She welcomed the armful of furry love but was puzzled by Huff's choice until she remembered that she held Henley in her mind still. We are safe, she said to Henley. Put him back, please, Huff sent. The cat's voice startled her. I don't want to go back, Henley said. My body is broken. I'll see to that, Kyla said. She put the cats down and began to inspect Henley's injuries. What she saw horrified her, not just because of his mangled leg and horrific bruises, but because she knew his body did not have the strength for the sort of healing she could perform. She had already used up most of his strength healing his impalement. Just mending his knee could kill him. But the longer his mind remained out of his body, the weaker it would become. And then he would die. I'm sorry to do this, she said, stealing herself for the cruelty her love demanded. With gentle firmness, she thrust him out. Henley's eyes shot wide and then immediately squeezed shut as he screamed. Marlowe held him down. His ring removed, he offered a bit of soothing to Henley's mind. But the vaguest touch of an outsider made Henley panic. Only Kyla and Huff could reach him. She lay next to him, holding him. Huff pressed to one flank, next to the other. She stroked his hair from his brow and pressed her nose to his cheek. She spoke in soft whispers and promised him all would be well. In time, his screams gave way to sobs, which surrendered to soft moans until he was asleep. Kyla lay with him a while longer, now fully aware of her own exhaustion. Shaking it off, she began to swirl her healing draft, crimson streaked with black. She saw now components of it she had not noticed before, bitter tastes of strange weeds only Fintha's song could identify. That gave her an idea. She applied her healing sparingly, not repairing his shattered knee, but simply easing the pain. She dared not do more. He needs a bed, food, and warmth, she said. The Citadel, Marlowe said. 
His robes were covered with dust, the hem soaked with blood, none of it his, apparently. He looked like he'd aged a decade in the past hour. He had the Hargath staff in one hand, the voluptuary's bane eye in the other. I can only safely dimense to somewhere I've been, she said. Do you want to walk or go with us? With you, Carlos I, if you please. The cats knew to climb onto her shoulders. Marlow lifted Henley, though he could barely stand under the weight. Kyla put an arm around Marlow and rested one on Henley. She did not need to raise her fist. That was merely a cue, a mental trick. She did not need such things anymore. They vanished in Marcus Green.